and welcome to the Educate Your Travel podcast. Once again, my name is Jordan Carnes. Thank you so much for joining me today. I cannot wait to get into this episode. Hopefully just invigorate you, get you excited about getting up, getting out, and traveling, exploring, and experiencing the world. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and quit talking so I can keep talking, and let's get into the episode. Egypt is absolutely wild. It's a crazy ride from start to finish. Um, and, you know, it's absolutely incredible. All of your senses will be just off the charts. Um, and I spent a week there. Uh, so once again, another five, six full days um, for this itinerary here. Um, and I went back in 2018, I went in the fall, actually went over Thanksgiving break, um, and this was a great time to visit. Um, there's so much to see, I honestly did not see everything that I wanted to see, um, and so I'm going to go ahead and give you um, some other itinerary tips uh, towards the end um, of this episode um, of things I did not see that uh, hopefully if I get to go back, um, I will go check out my second uh, time to Egypt. Um, but this first time, I spent uh, most of my time in uh, Cairo and the Giza area, uh, and then also in Luxor. Uh, those are my main two stops, um, and there was a ton to see there. Definitely had a jam-packed schedule, um, but then obviously there are a few places uh, that I would have liked to have gone as well. I didn't get the chance to. Um, so first off, let's start off um, in Cairo. That's where you're going to fly into more than likely. Um, and I actually uh, had a layover in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. Um, and I had a long layover there. I'm actually going to do a separate episode over um, my day uh, in the UAE. Um, so I'll, I'll create that podcast later on. Uh, but I did have a layover there, um, and then I arrived in Cairo. Uh, I actually arrived pretty late uh, in the afternoon. It was getting kind of dark. Um, and so I stayed in uh, Giza, uh, and that's a really good home base, in my opinion, for a couple days uh, in Cairo and the Giza area. They're actually about 45 minutes to an hour apart, depending on the traffic. Um, but, you know, they're close enough where you can, you know, stay in one and visit the other. So I'm going to start off with my itinerary in Giza. And obviously, you have to go see the pyramids. You have to go see the Great Pyramid, um, the two other large minor pyramids, and then there's also uh, the Pyramids of the Queens there um, as well. So very cool. I mean, that is iconic Egypt. I don't really see, if you've never been to Egypt, why this would not be on your list of things to do. It's a one of the ancient wonders of the world, the only one that's like really completely still there. Um, and it's, it's magnificent. Um, I recommend going early in the morning um, for a couple reasons. One, uh, it's not going to be as busy because the tour groups won't get there until, uh, you know, around 10, 11 o'clock. Uh, and then also, uh, it's not as hot. It gets pretty hot. I mean, it's here in Africa, so it's going to get hot there in the afternoons. 
so it's a little bit cooler in the daytime or in the morning time. Uh, and then third, uh, it gets really hazy. I, I think it's because of the dust and the heat. Um, and I'm sure the city is like right there next to the pyramids too. I'm sure that doesn't help. Um, but you know, by 10, 11 o'clock, um, it's so hazy sometimes, like you can barely see the pyramids from a distance. It's pretty remarkable. Um, I remember I took a camel ride out um, onto some of the dunes, a little bit of a distance away from the pyramids, um, and I took some pretty awesome photos. Uh, and then looking back on those pictures, you can barely see the outlines of the pyramids. And it's like there are these huge structures, and I'm like maybe a quarter of a mile away, and the haze is just completely engulfing them. So definitely get out there in the morning for multiple reasons. I'm sure some days are super clear. My uh, The day I spent there uh, was uh, maybe just a special occasion. Um, but definitely go early. Uh, you will not regret starting your day at the Great Pyramid. Um, and obviously, while you're there, the Sphinx is right there. Um, I recommend going in at the entrance uh, near the Sphinx. Uh, it's not as crowded. Um, that's normally where people who like walk uh, visit. Um, or if you take a cab, you might stop there. Uh, the main entrance is on the other side of the Great Pyramid, and that's where all of the tour buses go. Uh, you will have to go there to buy your ticket to get inside the Great Pyramid. Um, but, you know, I just went in the Sphinx Gate, um, and then when I was ready to go into the Great Pyramid, then I just walked over to the other entrance, bought that ticket, um, and, you know, went in from there. So not uh, too inconvenient there. Um, now, camel rides, I know um, there's controversy, you know, about the humaneness of how they treat the animals and things like that. I'm not going to get into all that. I will say, you know, riding a camel there, um, it's a pretty cool experience. Um, and also, some of the places that you go um, for good views of the pyramids, it's hard to walk there. I mean, it's just completely sand. Um, and so it's difficult to walk a long distance in all that sand that takes you forever. Um, but then a camel ride gets you there pretty quickly and pretty easily. Um, so, you know, be on the lookout for, you know, possible people you wouldn't want to work with, um, while you're there, but I'm not going to get into the whole politicalness of whether you should ride a camel or not. That's your decision. Um, and that's just up to you and how you feel about it. Um, now, going inside the Great Pyramid, this is one of those things, sort of like in my previous episodes, uh, like the Eiffel Tower. You know, should you go inside the Great Pyramid? Now, for me, I have loved Egypt since I was like eight years old, and I have read like every Egypt book, watched every Egypt documentary I ever was able to find. Uh, and so for me, going inside the Great Pyramid was, you know, something I had to do. I was like, I'm in Egypt, I'm standing here looking at the Great Pyramid. Why would I not, you know, pay, it was kind of expensive, like maybe $10 or something to go inside. Um, and so I did, uh, and I'm going to be honest, there was nothing special about the inside of the Great Pyramid. Um, it's been looted, there's, you know, everything important has either been stolen or taken to the, uh, the museum. Um, there was um, the bottom half of the sarcophagus inside. Um, and it was honestly quite uh, a perilous little trek up there. You have to like climb a ladder that's just like a board um, with wooden nails rung into it, um, or wooden rungs nailed into it. Um, so, you know, 
if that's not something that really just gets you going, then you might want to skip it. Uh, but for me, who just loves Egypt and is all about that, um, that was something I definitely had to check off a list. So um, I recommend it just for the experience, but uh, you know that's up to you. I don't think you'll necessarily kick yourself for not going in um, if it's not that important to you at the time. Now, there is a sound and light show um, at the Great Pyramids. I believe there's also one um, at the either Temple of Karnak or Luxor Temple in Luxor. Um, I didn't actually see that one. Uh, but the one in uh, at the Great Pyramids, um, it was interesting. I actually was able to watch it from my hotel balcony. Um, I got a hotel literally right across the street from the entrance, um, which I highly recommend. Um, but, you know, I don't know if I would have paid to go in to see it, um, but I sat up there and I watched it a couple times um, while I was in Giza, and it was pretty cool. They have, like, this ominous music playing, and they have some lasers shooting up on the Sphinx, um, so it's, it's a nice little atmosphere, um, but I don't think I would necessarily recommend, uh, you know, driving there and paying you know, to go see that. I don't think it was that extraordinary. Uh, now, also, besides the Great Pyramids, uh, about 30, 45 minutes away uh, via a taxi um, is Saqqara and Dasher. Now, Saqqara used to be uh, the old burial ground, so they would bury um, the kings and the high priests and all those upper officials at Saqqara, uh, and then they moved to the pyramids, and then they moved to the Valley of the Kings in Luxor. So this is kind of one of the first ancient burial grounds in Egypt. Um, the uh, I believe it's the oldest temp, uh, the oldest pyramid um, in Egypt and possibly the world. I believe uh, is in Saqqara. It's called the Step Pyramid or the Pyramid of Dozer. Um, and so that's an iconic place that you have to go. Um, for some reason, I don't feel like that's uh, high on the list for a lot of people. Um, but for me, that's a pretty iconic uh, pyramid um, and one that you should definitely add to your list. Um, it's not as crowded as the Pyramids of Giza. The Pyramids of Giza uh, were absolutely insane with the tour groups and all of the um, people selling you things and, you know, just hustling you to death. Um, but the Saqqara, I went close to closing time. Um, and there were, there were a few people there, but it was definitely a little more subdued than the Great Pyramid. So definitely recommend going to Saqqara. Um, there's an old temple there that's really cool um, to see as well. Um, and then also, uh, on the way to Saqqara from Giza, you'll go um, through Dasher, uh, which is where the Red Pyramid is, and also the Bent Pyramid. Now... I believe I have my facts right here. You you start off with the step pyramid that was like the original pyramid, uh, and then they started you know to try and make the sides uh, smooth and not steppy, uh, and so not sure that's a word, but anyway. So then they created you know a normal looking pyramid, um, but they just didn't have the architecture right and the engineering correct, uh, and so the sides started to kind of like. Uh, collapse and so it created the bent pyramid um, which uh, is it's still pretty cool uh, it's definitely not the sides are not as straight they are more sloped looking um, and then the red pyramid uh, I believe was like the first actual pyramid looking pyramid 
Um, it has the str- uh, straight sides and all that. Uh, and then I believe after that, then they moved to Giza and uh, started build, uh, building on the Giza uh, Acropolis over there. Now you can go inside the Red Pyramid. I did. Um, it was easier to you know explore than uh, Khufu's uh, Pyramid, um, and it was definitely cheaper. Uh, so you know if you want to go into a pyramid. Uh, the Red Pyramid uh, is definitely a little bit more convenient to access um, than the Great Pyramid. Um, now also, uh, you're going to have uh, Memphis, uh, sort of along that same route. Um, actually, my taxi driver, you know, they all have their buddies that they try and help out to sell things. And so we stopped in Memphis, um, and it's actually one of the... Uh, it's known for its alabaster stonework and also its papyrus. Um, and so, you know, if you're gonna buy like legit alabaster sculptures um, or any sort of papyrus like artwork or things like that, Memphis is probably the place you wanna buy it. Um, it wasn't too expensive to, I bought some of each of uh, the papyrus art for myself and then um, some stone sculptures for family. Um, it wasn't too expensive, uh, and then it was actually kind of nice because then throughout Egypt, um, everyone who was trying to hustle you was like, oh, you should buy my alabaster sculptures and I'd, or the papyrus, and I'd say, oh, I already have some, and then they'd ask me where I got it. When I told them Memphis, they were like, oh, okay, that's like good quality stuff. I can't really tell you that you made a bad decision there. So it was kind of helpful that I kind of got you know, twisted into stopping in Memphis. Uh, for the rest of the trip. So uh, I would, if you are looking to buy, you know, some souvenirs, uh, Memphis is a good place to do it. Uh, one last thing, uh, over in Saqqara, there are quite a few other pyramids um, that are almost just completely disappearing um, from the desert. Um, and so honestly, if you're in Saqqara and you're looking around and you see like a little mound of rubble or what looks like a little mountain, that's a pyramid. Uh, and it's pretty cool just because they're kind of littered everywhere and so you're just looking and you're like, huh, there's some rocks piled up there and then, oh, you find out later that was an actual pyramid. And there are some tombs there. Um, they were closing uh, when I got there and so I was able to you know, sneak into one real quick before they um, locked it up. Um, and they were pretty neat as well. Um, definitely not the quality of the Valley of the Kings, um, but you know, for your first taste of you know, a burial chamber. Um, it's, it's pretty neat there as well. Um, now, I guess I could put this in the itinerary. I don't know where else it would fit in. There's a really famous pizza hut in Giza. Um, it's right across the street from the pyramids. Um, it's like a two-story. I think there's actually, there's like a KFC on the bottom floor and then Pizza Hut, like the second and third floor. Um, and for some reason, I'd always seen a that picture of the pyramids through a Pizza Hut window. And so I was like, I'm going to eat there because that's like an iconic picture of Egypt in my mind. Uh, and it was actually right across like two doors down from my hotel. Uh, and so one night I went over there and you can actually watch the um, sound and light show uh, from the Pizza Hut, like the balcony on the second or third floor. Uh, so that's one way if you don't stay um, near the Giza complex. Um, you can go eat at that Pizza Hut um, during the Sound and Light show and you know watch this show as you enjoy 
your pizza. I had like a seafood pizza and it was, it was really good. So um, that's something just something really random um, that I threw into my itinerary. You know, if you want to do that, that's awesome. Understand if you're like, that's dumb, whatever. Um, okay, so next you have Cairo, which like I've mentioned already is like 30 minutes, 45 minutes away. Um, if you're visiting these places, you're either going to stay in Giza or Cairo. Um, and so in Cairo, I did not spend too much time uh, I spent about half a day, and I'm sure there is so much more to see in Cairo. So I'm not going to even, you know, pretend like I saw, you know, a snippet of it. Like a drop in the barrel at the most. Um, but do go to the Citadel uh, and the Mosque of Muhammad Ali. Um, and this is, it's a really high point in the city. Um, and it offers a great view of uh, New Cairo. Um, and so, uh, you know, once again, it was very hazy when I was up there, but you could definitely see, you know, all the buildings and just a good layout of the city. Um, and I always like to get those good, um, high up views, um, of the city that you're visiting and just kind of adds to the experience. Um, and so the mosque of Muhammad Ali, besides, it was really beautiful. Um, the artwork, the architecture and everything like that. Um, but the view um, was probably uh, the high point for me while I visited. Um, also, you obviously have to visit the Cairo Museum. This is um, one of the most important museums, in my opinion, uh, in the world. Like, I would put it top five museums uh, in the world. Um, and it's just magnificent. There's so much stuff there. Um, I'm going to be honest, the presentation at the Cairo Museum is terrible. Um, everywhere you look says it, um, and it's true. I mean, there's just stuff thrown everywhere in this museum. There's like showcases with just stuff piled on top of each other. Um, you know, there are markings and labels for most everything, but it's just very haphazard. And I think it's just because they've been in this building for so long, and they just keep discovering you know, so much new stuff um, that they just have nowhere to put it. Um, and so they're just running out of room. Um, but they are building a new museum. And I'm not exactly sure when this museum is supposed to open. I think it's supposed to open in 2021. Um, I'm not sure if COVID has um, disrupted those plans or not. Uh, it was being built when I was there. Um, and I was able to see it. And it's going to be incredible. Um, it's so modern looking um, and, you know, they're supposed to have great presentation. It's just going to be a really good layout. Um, and I think, you know, when they build that museum, as long as they keep it up um, and it serves the purpose that it's supposed to, that's going to be, you know, an incredible museum to visit. And I'm really actually looking forward to um, visiting that museum um, when it opens, um, hopefully next year sometime. Um, now, uh, while you're at the Cairo Museum, now, I've also heard um, that, you know, right now is not the best time to visit the Cairo Museum because they are in the process of moving things from one museum to the other. Um, while I was there, I was a little worried, and this was back in 2018, that I wasn't going to get to see some of King Tut's artifacts um, because I had heard that they were already in the process of moving his items between museums. Um, but fortunately, everything um, that I was looking forward to seeing was still there, like his funeral gold mask, um, all of his sarcophagi, 
Um, you know, just a bunch of his artifacts, like his throne, um, just his bed, all those things like that that I had seen before um, and wanted to see in person were all there. Um, but I would definitely check, you know, um, currently to see before you leave where all those artifacts are um, and, you know, just to make sure you at least know what to expect when you get there and you're not showing up and King Tut's funeral mask is not there and you have a ton of disappointment. So, you know, kind of do a little bit of research there on your own before you leave just to know what to expect when you show up. Um, I would still go if you're going to Egypt, you know, definitely stop by because there are still a lot of other stuff to see that is worth your while. Um, also, you have to buy a photo pass. Um, so you have to buy a pass to take pictures in the museum. I never had that checked, um, but you know, I was just using like my phone camera. I'm sure if you had like some professional grade camera set up, they would definitely come up and check. Um, so definitely buy the photo pass, just be on the safe side. Uh, and then buy a pass for the mummy room. Um, this has, uh, there was probably 10, 15 mummies in this room. And there are mummies outside of that room, but this is where, like, the big boys are set up. So you have, like, uh, Ramesses, um, and you have, um, like, Ramesses' mom. You have uh, just a whole bunch of the key um, pharaohs set up in this mummy room. Um, and so um, that's pretty cool uh, to see just, I don't know, if you're into mummies, it's cool. Um, and then just if you're into history and you, you know, you know who this pharaoh is and then bam, there's his mummy. Um, that's pretty unique. Um, so I definitely recommend buying the mummy room pass and then the photo pass um, as well. Uh, and then one of the last things in Cairo that I'm going to recommend is the El Kalili uh, Bazaar. Um, now when I was there, I'm pretty sure I got scammed out of this one. Um, but I tried to go to El Kalili uh, right after the Cairo Museum. Um, and it was some, uh, it was some holiday, some Egyptian or um, religious holiday, and so I was kind of concerned that some things like scheduling would be um, changed because of that holiday. Um, but I did a lot of research, and I didn't really find anything that would prove that. Um, and so when I showed up and I asked to go to El Kalili. Uh, my taxi driver said that it's closed uh, for that certain holiday that I was there for. Um, and I kind of argued with him a little bit because I thought I was getting scammed, but he, you know, he was really persistent with it. Uh, and so I ended up going to the old Cairo market, uh, which was not as interesting. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily recommend going to that one. It was a cool experience just to be in sort of the slummy part of town there. Um, but definitely go to El Kalili uh, Market or Bazaar. Uh, that will definitely be a pretty cool experience, and hopefully um, I get to go there uh, next time I'm in Egypt as well, because I think that would be a cool experience um, and just a wild ride uh, inside that market. After your time in Cairo, uh, there are multiple places that you can go, um, but Luxor is um, the place I knew I'd get the most bang for my buck when it came to archaeological sites and Egyptology. Um, so uh, after two full days uh, in uh, Giza, Cairo area, um, I flew down to Luxor and you can take a train down to Luxor. 
Um, I think, I'm sure you could take a Nile Cruise if you wanted to. Uh, I think the train's one of the more popular options. But I, I flew, and the reason I flew is one, it obviously saved me time. It was like an hour flight, um, but it was pretty cheap. It obviously wasn't cheaper than like a train ticket, um, but it was like, you know, $30, $40. Um, and so to me, that was worth the, you know, six hours or whatever I would save uh, flying as opposed to, um, you know, taking an overnight train or whatever. Um, now, there's so much to do in Luxor, um, and there's the West Bank, there's the East Bank. The West Bank is, um, you know, the in Egyptology, um, the death side of the river, uh, and the East side is more of the life side of the river, um, just because uh, the sun rises in the east, it sets in the west, um, so east is, you know, that rebirth um, of the sun and of life, and then the west is the sun setting uh, and the death of life. Um, so uh, the West Bank is going to have the Valley of the Queens, the Valley of the Kings, um, and then there's also uh, quite a few temples and things like that over there as well. Now, I recommend getting a taxi for the day in Luxor. Um, the, I, I only spent, you know, one day with a full-day taxi, so I, I can't really compare and contrast, you know, the cost of having a taxi for a day versus the cost of having a taxi for each individual leg of the trip. Um, but just for convenience sake, um, you know, knowing that that taxi driver is going to be sitting out there waiting for you, uh, and then you just have to like, you know, pay him one time. Uh, it wasn't too expensive. It was maybe like $30, $40 for the day. Um, and that was, you know, maybe like eight hours of driving um, and seeing sights. Uh, and my taxi driver was actually, uh, he was very knowledgeable, obviously, and he kind of helped me pick out some other sites that I hadn't necessarily originally planned on. Um, and so uh, I would definitely recommend that taxi for a day. I think it will really help out uh, your trip um, and kind of give you that peace of mind and ease of, ease of travel there. Um, so... Uh, in Luxor on the West Bank, definitely hit up the Valley of the Kings. Um, that's probably one of the most iconic places in Luxor. Um, and depending on, there's so many different tombs there. Um, some of them are open all the time, and then the rest of them, they kind of rotate um, when they're open. So I can't really tell you, you know, go to these definitely, um, because they might not be open while you're there. Um, I'm pretty sure King Tut's tomb is open all the time, um, and uh, it's definitely not the most uh, impressive tomb, but he is probably one of the most famous pharaohs uh, in Egypt, and, you know, I've been fascinated with him since I was little, and so, you know, I definitely was going to have to go see his tomb. Uh, that is an extra ticket, so when you go, you buy a ticket, and you can go to three different um, tombs. Uh, if you want to go see King Tut's tomb, you have to pay extra, uh, and then if you want to take pictures, you also have to pay extra. Um, and so, uh, I would definitely buy the photo pass because they will check your photo pass there. Um, and then I would recommend going to see King Tut, especially if you went to the Cairo Museum and you saw all of his artifacts from his tomb. Um, you know, kind of just piecing all that stuff together is really cool. 
Um, when I was there, I went to Ramesses the Third. Um, I also went to Tosser and Setnacht, and then Netta. Uh, I'll put those last two um, in the description so you can read what I just said. Um, and really, that was just some quick um, researching to determine which um, tombs were the best out of like the ten that were open at the time. Um, Ramesses was really cool, uh, and then Merneptah, and then was really awesome. And then Tasut and Setnat were pretty nice as well. Um, so all in all, I was satisfied with um, the three tombs I saw. Um, you know, I thought they were all very unique. Um, and the artwork inside um, and the carvings and the reliefs were all very nice in those three tombs. Same with King Tut's. Um, I did enjoy my time in King, uh, King Tut's. Uh, in fact, this is an interesting comparison here, but... If I had to choose between either going inside the Great Pyramid um, or going into King Tut's tomb, um, two of those kind of just for the experience things, uh, King Tut's tomb was definitely more impressive um, of those two options. So do with that little comparison what you will. Um, also, the Valley of the Queens uh, is nearby, and that's obviously where the queens were buried. Um, and they were not necessarily as impressive um, except for Nefertari's tomb. Uh, Nefertari's tomb was, I believe it had been sealed off for a really long time, and they just recently reallowed tourism into a Nefertari's tomb. Um, and that was another extra ticket as well, just like King Tut's. Um, but Queen Nefertari's tomb was the most impressive tomb I saw in the valley. Um, over any of the any of the kings, um, Nefertari was by far number one. Um, just because it had been closed off for so long, the artwork was magnificent. The colors were phenomenal. Like you would have thought this thing had been repainted yesterday, um, but it's all original, and you know it's it's just crazy to think that all the temples, all the tombs used to look exactly like that. Um, so definitely if you're going to the Valley of the Queens, spend the extra few bucks to go to Nefertari's. You will not regret doing that. Um, the rest of the Queens, uh, tubes that I saw, um, you know, I was not as impressed, um, but, you know, I had the ticket for it, so I was going to use it. Um, but Nefertari definitely made up for, um, the rest of the Valley of the Queens. Um, also on the West Bank is the Ramesseum, which was a temple for, um, Ramesses. Um, this temple was really unique uh, because they were still doing some archaeological stuff. Um, and so that was really cool. I think they had a French team out there. Uh, and so being, you know, really involved in Egyptology when I was growing up and really interested in it, um, seeing, you know, archaeologists at work was really cool. And I kind of just sat there for a little bit and watched uh, them do their work. And that was really neat. Um, also, that was going on in the Valley of the Kings. There were like 50 people out there digging into the side of the mountains um, while I was out there, and that was pretty cool to witness, uh, witness as well. Um, there's also the Colossi of Memnon, uh, which are two big statues um, that are pretty, you know, worse for the wear, um, but they're really impressive. They're just sitting on the side of the road um, as you're driving on the West Bank. Um, and so a lot of people just pull over, take a quick picture, and then keep on going. That's what I did. 
Um, you're not going to spend a lot of time there. Um, they used to stand at the front of uh, another temple that was there. Um, and what's really impressive is they're carved out of one, each one is carved out of one solid piece of stone. Um, and so that's pretty impressive that they got it there and then they're able to carve it out of one uh, piece of rock. So um, that's a cool little pit stop, like five minutes, 10 minutes max that you're gonna spend there. Um, and then also Medinet Habu uh, is a really cool temple. Um, this is one that I did not actually go to. Um, I did see it, um, but I did not go inside. Um, and it has a really, um, in my opinion, famous carving of uh, one of the pharaohs, you know, hunting or shooting a bow and arrow on the front. Um, and that's a really cool relief. Um, and if I had to do it over again, I would definitely go uh, to Medinet Habu um, as well. Uh, and then also uh, Hatshepsut's temple. Uh, there's just so much to do in Luxor. I honestly forgot about Hatshepsut's temple. Um, and this is, you know, a pretty iconic um, site in Luxor, but there's just so much that I had on my itinerary to do that I honestly, it just, it just slipped my mind. Um, and so I, <laughs> I, the next day, the second day in Luxor, I took a hot air balloon flight, which is next on my itinerary, but I took a hot air balloon flight uh, and we're flying along and I see this temple and I'm like, that's Hatshepsut's temple. Why is that not on my list? And so I already had a jam-packed day, you know, coming up. Um, and so I never actually added it to the list. Um, but that just goes to show there's so much history um, and things to see there that you really just have to choose, um, pick and choose what is most important on your list. Um, and if I went back, I would go to Menet Habu and the Hatshepsut Temple. Um, but those uh, I was not able to fit in to this itinerary on this trip. Um, so, like I just mentioned, I did go on a hot air balloon flight, um, and I would definitely recommend doing that. Um, you fly over the West Bank, you start um, near the Ramesseum, um, and you fly over the Ramesseum, you fly, you know, over the Colossi of Memnon, Medinet Habu, near the Hatshepsut Temple, you're flying not over the Valley of the Kings, but you can see it, um, and... Um, I've been on a couple of hot air balloon flights and I can honestly say this was my favorite one. Um, it was just gorgeous. You could see the Nile River, you can see, you know, the fertile banks, and then you can just like, like someone just got a pair of scissors and cut off the greenery and then there's just desert and sand uh, as far as you can see. So I would definitely recommend, uh, you know, a hot air balloon flight while you're in Luxor. Uh, that cost me around $80. Um, but totally worth it, um, and I would definitely do that again if I had the opportunity. Um, now on the East Bank, there's two main sites, and that's the Karnak Temple uh, and the Luxor Temple. Uh, the Luxor Temple is um, pretty neat, uh, and it has a lot of different influences. Um, there's like a mosque like kind of built into the Luxor Temple, and so when you enter the Luxor Temple, it's like maybe 10 feet above your head and there's just like when I went there was some guy like praying up there and I just like walked and like I waved at him and kept on going into the Luxor temple uh, and then also inside the temple um, there's like Roman Christian art painted up on the walls um, over the hieroglyphics 
um, from the Roman era uh, of Egypt. And so that's really cool, just sort of the blending of culture um, and of just civilizations there uh, that you can see within that temple. So that's really awesome. Um, and then I rec definitely recommend going in the morning. I got there as soon as they opened, uh, and I had that place to myself for a solid hour. I was able to see the entire complex, um, and then I did not see other people until I was leaving. Um, and because of that, there were no people trying to sell me things. Um, it was just really peaceful, and I was able to really enjoy um, my time at the Luxor Temple. Karnak Temple was the complete opposite. Um, I went there around noon, uh, and the Karnak Temple is the largest open-air museum in the world. And this complex is ginormous. Um, and I probably spent a couple hours there, but there were so many people. Um, I went there around noon and there were just probably 50 tour buses lined up. Um, and you know, at first I was kind of disappointed and I mean, going at noon, you have to expect it, but I was like, dang, this is going to suck. You know, I've been enjoying, you know, not having a lot of people around. Um, but when I showed up because there were so many people there, the people trying to like sell stuff and kind of hassle you. Um, there were so many people for them to choose from. I was one, either kind of just able to slip through everybody um, and not get bothered, or, you know, normally if you say no in Egypt, they're very, you know, consistent, and they're just like, buy this, buy this, here, have this gift, have this, have that. Um, but <laughs> because there were so many people at the Karnak Temple, if you said no, they would just be like, Oh, okay. And then they'd go ask somebody else. They had so many options to choose from. Like if you said no, they were not going to waste their time on you. So, you know, that's one of the times where I was like, huh, I don't mind having so many people around, especially because it is such a huge complex. Even with hundreds of people there, there were still times I would find myself like in a room by myself, or I would look through like a bunch of columns and not see anybody. So, Definitely visit the Karnak Temple uh, and the Luxor Temple um, while you are there. Um, there are some cool markets, um, but definitely be careful. They will try and scam you. Um, that's just something that you can't really avoid, so just be careful uh, at the markets. Um, now, that's my itinerary. Um, there were some small things um, you know, thrown in there, um, but these are the main uh, main stops for my itinerary for my week in Egypt. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and throw in a couple more things that I would recommend if you had longer than a week. Um, or if, you know, one of these stops, if you'd rather go um, to one of these new places instead of, say, Luxor or Giza. Um, there's so much to do in Egypt. I think to do everything, you would need at least two, maybe three weeks. Um, and two weeks would definitely be jam-packed. I think three weeks would make it a little bit more comfortable. Um, so a week in Egypt, definitely not going to be able to see all this stuff. But um, if you are planning on going longer or want some other options, Abu Simbel um, is definitely a place that I will go to if I get to return to Egypt. Um, it's in southern Egypt, um, and it's a huge temple complex. You have your statues um, like carvings in the mountain and they actually moved this uh moved this entire complex whenever they built the Aswan Dam um and I 
I still want, I want to try and find like a documentary to see how they did this because they literally moved a mountain temple and I don't understand how that is possible, um, but they did it. So it's not in the actual location that it was originally. Um, they flooded this whole area that it used to sit um, for the Aswan Dam, uh, so they had to move it. Um, but that's in and of itself really impressive that they that they were able to do that. Um, I believe down there near Abu Simbel is the unfinished obelisk, um, and then the Philae Temple, um, which uh, all would be pretty interesting stops as well. So those are all down there in southern Egypt. Uh, to get to Abu Simbel, um, you can take a Nile cruise from Luxor, um, and I would definitely do that. If I had the time, uh, I would definitely take a Nile cruise. Um, I think that would just be a really cool experience to have. Um, uh, to, you know, just say that you've done, um, and it gets you where you need to go. So definitely I would take a Nile cruise if I had the time and would recommend that. Um, next is Alexandria. Um, you know, Alexandria is one of the biggest cities in Egypt. Um, ton of history there. Um, the lighthouse at Alexandria, um, used to be there, obviously. It's not there anymore. It's one of the ancient wonders of the world. Um, but, you know, you can still visit the site where it used to be, um, and I think they used some of the blocks and, you know, uh, materials from the lighthouse to build uh, something else that's sitting on the site. So, you know, a lot of the ancient wonders of the world, you kind of just have to, you know, choose what you say is seeing it. Um, and so I would go back because, you know, it's the ancient wonder of the world, and even if it's not there, you can kind of see the site see the setting, things like that. Um, so Alexandria would definitely be a cool place to go. Um, the Library of Alexandria used to be there too, obviously, as well. Um, now the Red Sea, um, you know, is in Egypt or, you know, borders Egypt. There's tons of great like snorkeling and diving uh, and like beach resorts. Uh, and it looks beautiful. I have some friends who have gone there and it looks gorgeous. Um, so, you know, if you have a couple days or if you're really just looking for a really relaxing like beach vacation in Egypt, go to the Red Sea. Um, I think that'd be a really awesome few days um, as well. And then finally, kind of on the same note, across the Red Sea is the Sinai Peninsula, um, which is part, part of the Sinai Peninsula is Egypt as well. I guess pretty much all of the Sinai Peninsula is Egypt. Um, I think, th I'm pretty sure the Sinai Peninsula is a little... A little dangerous, a little sketchy, so that might be one of those places where you might need to, you know, go with a group or go with a guide. I'm not sure if I would recommend going solo, um, but Sinai Peninsula looks very pretty as well. Just the landscape um, and everything um, that I've seen about it looks pretty incredible as well. So, you know, that's my itinerary plus a few extra things that. I hope to add to my next itinerary, um, you know, if I get to go back to Egypt. Uh, so hopefully this kind of helps you create sort of a skeleton uh, of a, you know, plan for your trip to Egypt uh, and, you know, gives you some info uh, and knowledge uh, about your trip. Okay, so for some quick logistics for this uh, trip, uh, I'll go ahead and right off the bat, go ahead and tell you I spent $2,300 for this entire trip. 
like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, I did spend a day in the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. Um, and so, you know, that total does include that portion of the trip. Um, and so uh, at the time, the quickest, uh, the cheapest flight uh, was through Emirates. And um, so looking at my flight, it was $1,400 um, through the UAE for my layover. Um, and now I did some research today. Uh, you can get a round trip flight. Uh, you have two layovers for the cheapest, but it's around $800. Um, and you know, your layers, uh, vary. I think most of them went through Germany or Switzerland or Canada. Um, and that's from Dallas. So I did not do my research from, um, say Newark, um, or, you know, the East coast anywhere. I'm looking at Dallas here. $800. Um, and so, you know, once again, you, you have to keep into account that we are in a pandemic. So that is bringing the prices down a little bit, especially considering Egypt does have restrictions on travel right now. Um, you do have to have um, your testing done. Um, and then some countries are not allowed in uh, at the moment. Uh, and so, um, you know, I'm sure that plays a little bit into it, but uh, I'm thinking you could probably get a flight there, um, you know, around a thousand, maybe eleven hundred dollars would be a good a good price point for your flights round trip uh, from you know not the East Coast uh, to to Cairo and back. Um, now uh, that fourteen twenty does include my flight to Luxor and back, but you know I already mentioned that was about about forty dollars, so uh, that was a pretty cheap flight there. Um, my hotels, I had uh, a couple different hotels. I had uh, my hotel in Giza, which was right across the street from um, the pyramids uh, for two, three nights. Uh, and then I had a hotel in Luxor, which was pretty much right down the road from the Luxor temple. Um, and it's one of the highest rated hotels uh, in Luxor. So I had... I guess that's around five nights for uh, $215. So that's about $43 a night uh, for hotels. Um, and so that's not too bad. I, I believe my Giza hotel was probably uh, on the higher end, so maybe around $50 a night for it. But let me tell you, that's going to be in my tip section. That was the best, you know, best idea, best purchase that I made on my trip was to stay across the street from the pyramids. I'll tell you why here in a few minutes. Uh, food was very cheap. For like a six day trip, um, I spent $65 on food. That's ridiculous. That's, you know, $10, $11 a day. Um, and, you know, I ate some good food. I ate, you know, my, my Egyptian uh, pizza hut, uh, and then, you know, Egyptian street food, um, and then, you know, Egyptian restaurant meal food as well. So $65 for a week. You know, for for food, that's that's pretty good. Transportation uh, was on the more expensive side, um, $225 for a week. Um, this once again does include some transportation in the UAE, so I'm going to bump that down to probably around uh, probably around $200 for transportation in Egypt. Um, that's a lot of taxi rides, um, and you know that's really the only mode of transportation I took there. Um, and you know, my taxi ride from, 
the pyramids to the airport or the airport to the pyramid. That was around 45 uh, minutes to an hour. Um, and when you take a, a, a cab from the airport, um, you have to go through, um, you know, like a company to do it. Um, you, they don't just have random taxi drivers there. You actually have to uh, book it at like a little stand, get a ticket for it, and pay for it there. And so it was a little bit more on the expensive side because it's more regulated, um, but it kind of protects you um, as a tourist there. So that was maybe like around $20, $20 $25 for that hour-long ride out to Giza, you know, which, you know, $25 for an hour-long taxi ride it could be worse. I've paid that for like a 30-minute cab ride in like Europe somewhere. So definitely not expensive um, when you think about it relatively. Um, and so, and then like I said, uh, my day taxi in Luxor cost me around, uh, you know, it cost me around $40, $45 for the whole day. I think uh, whenever I, um, whenever I booked that, um, I kind of haggled down the price to around $25 to $30 a day for the day um, for my base fare. Uh, but then when you're in Egypt, they really do expect you to tip the taxi driver. Um, and so I did end up tipping him like $15 extra dollars um, just because, you know, he was prompt. Um, he knew where to take me. He did a great job. Uh, we did take one detour. I don't think you can get around that. But it was like 15 minutes uh, to an alabaster store. Um, and so, you know, I thought he was a really good driver. So I went ahead and tipped him a little extra. So it cost me around $40, $45 for the whole day. But, you know, to me, that's, that's still a really good deal thinking about it now to drive me all over the West Bank uh, and give me the knowledge that he did along the way. Um, so tickets were also kind of expensive. Um, but it's really one thing is they don't offer like a pass. Um, you know, like in my last episode, I talked about the Paris Museum Pass where you buy one thing and that gets you in everywhere. They don't have that option in Egypt. Uh, I think that'd be a really good idea um, if they did just because they have so many sites. Um, but, you know, you have to buy a ticket for everything you do there. Um, and then sometimes you have to buy two or three tickets for one thing that you do there. Um, like at the Giza Plateau, you know, you have to pay to get in, you have to pay to go inside the, uh, the Grand Pyramid, um, or like the Valley of the Kings, you have to pay to get in, you have to pay to take pictures, you have to pay to go into, you know, the certain tomb that you might want to go into, um, at the museum, you have to pay to take pictures, you had to pay to get in, you had to pay to go to the museum room, or the mummy room. So, you know, like one site might have three different tickets. So I did spend about $325 on tickets, but, you know, I did see so much. And uh, when you think about each individual ticket was like three or four dollars, you know, it, it doesn't really seem like a lot, but it does add up. So um, if that's an issue, you might have to just keep a, you know, close eye on what you're seeing um, and all the extra things that you're adding on to that one original ticket. Uh, souvenirs, you know, throw that in there, about $85. Um, I got quite a few things, you know, some of that alabaster, papyrus, um, different art, things like that. Um, so all in all, I would say Egypt is not that expensive of a place. Um, it's, you know, it is crazy, um, and you might pay for it with some gray hairs, but, you know, cost-wise, it's not that expensive, and um, you definitely get your money's worth. 
Um, and 20, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go down to say $2,200 for a full trip to Egypt. And actually let's cut it down to, you know, 2000. Once again, I think we could do this trip to Cairo, uh, for a week for $2,000. Um, that's, you know, another really good, uh, price for an amazing historical, um, just cultural experience uh, in Egypt. So, you know, that's sort of my cost breakdown. Um, definitely I could break it down a lot farther, um, but just sort of the overall uh, $2,000 for a trip to Egypt, you know, great price. Once again, won't really kill the budget there. Um, and you'll have a great trip for that amount. So for tips and tricks and, you know, travel hacks for Egypt, I have quite a few. Uh, I have a few minor ones and then a couple really major ones that I really want you to consider before you go. Uh, but real, real quick, right off the bat, Uber actually works in Egypt, uh, especially in Cairo and the big city. Um, and I used it one time. And if you do not want to have to, you know, hassle with a taxi driver uh, or kind of barter for a price, use Uber because, you know, as soon as you, um, like Uber tells you how much it's going to cost. So you accept it and you book it and that's the cost. You don't have to tip them. You don't have to pay them extra. Like all that's taken care of. Um, it is a cash based, um, Uber, Uber service in Cairo. So you will have to pay cash. You won't be able to like pay through the app like normal. Um, but you know, that, that cost is, you know, cut and dry. This is it. Um, and you know, the drivers, you know, are still working on that star basis. Uh, and so they're not going to hassle you or do anything like that. So, um, if you don't want to have to worry about that, Uber does work in Cairo and might be a good option for you. Um, I would also recommend, this is a huge, huge little tip here is hotel location in Giza. Now I've said this before. I really, you know, enjoy good location for my hotels. Uh, and in Egypt, you know, it was really prevalent of how important this was. Um, after spending a day, you know, at the Giza pyramid complex, you are just totally exhausted. At least I was. I mean, this was my previous international travel experience had been like, uh, France and Romania, uh, and just Europe in general, Mexico. Um, and so Egypt was just on you like white on rice. They were constantly hassling you. They were trying to, you know, get you to buy their souvenirs. They wanted to take pictures with you and then charge you for them. They were trying to just get at you from every angle. And so um, you were just having to like constantly say no, say just like you're just avoiding people left and right um, at the pyramids. And so then to be able to go up on the balcony of my hotel that was right across the street from the pyramids and just sit there, take a sigh of relief and then still be able to experience and witness the pyramids out in front of me and be able to see the hustle and bustle that was going on down there, but not actually be involved in it was amazing. Um, I would sit up there, um, each night and each morning for sunrise and sunset. Um, and it was just, 
It was all of the benefits of being at the pyramids without actually being at the pyramids. Um, so I totally recommend booking a hotel that is right across the street or very close to the pyramids so you can really experience it, um, but without all the hassle that you might um, experience down there. Now definitely go to the pyramids, experience that, but you want some time to just to be able to sit there and enjoy. Like uh, I was standing at the Sphinx and I'm just staring at it. I have my headphones in and I'm just like really enjoying the moment. Uh, and then bam, out of nowhere, there's like 10 people just like trying to just, you know, shove stuff into my hands and then like say that I was buying it and then charge me or take a picture and then ask me for money, you know, and it's just like you have two seconds of tranquility where you can just kind of take in the moment and then it's gone. And that's great. That's all part of the, you know, adventure and the experience. But I just want to be able to enjoy what I'm seeing. I've traveled halfway around the world to you know, be here, and I want to be able to just, you know, take that moment in and really um, appreciate what I'm seeing. And so having that vantage point um, was very important to me, and it paid off big. So I definitely recommend um, having a good view um, at your hotel so you can appreciate and enjoy that experience um, from a different perspective. Now, if you are, you know, running short on time, like I was on this trip, you know, I was just going, 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 I would definitely recommend flying um, between places, um, whether you're going to Abu Simbel, Luxor, Alexandria. Um, it, it was cheap. It was like $30, $40 for your round trip flight from Cairo. Um, and, you know, everywhere it's going to be like an hour, you know, down to Abu Simbel might have been an hour and a half. Um, but it just saves you so much time. It's not that much more expensive than other modes of transportation. Um, it's safe. Um, definitely, definitely would recommend flying. I would also recommend uh, the taxi for the day in Luxor. Once again, I can't really compare and contrast a, uh, a full-day taxi versus not a full-day taxi, um, but I can't imagine you know, the full-day taxi being that much more expensive. Um, and it's definitely a lot more convenient and easier for you as a tourist and as a traveler um, just to know that, okay, as soon as I walk out, there's my taxi, let's go to the next place. Um, and they're so knowledgeable. They've been doing this every day for like their whole life. Um, and so they can kind of, if you have, you know, a quandary of where you want to go, they definitely can kind of help you out with that itinerary. Um, and then uh, finally, I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, your one key word for this trip is La Shukran. Uh, La means no, Shukran means thank you. So this is a, you know, a double-edged sword right here, Shukran, uh, you know, for when you're ordering food or you're buying something or someone's helping you out, uh, tell them thank you. Uh, and then for everybody trying to sell you something, you know, La Shukran. You know, this trip was two years ago and I've yet to forget that one phrase because I probably said it 5,000 times in six days. So you'll definitely be needing to say that. Um, and uh, I think it kind of gets the point across more than if you just say no, um, or even no thank you. I think, you know, if you learn that phrase, they'll kind of respect that a little bit more uh, than uh, just saying no. Uh, so those are my tips and tricks uh, for Egypt. Uh, one other thing I'm gonna mention, I did do this trip solo. Um, and 
you know, I, I'm not sure, depending on where you go and depending on your experience levels, um, being a first international trip, I do not know if I would recommend going solo to Egypt for your very first international trip. This was my second, um, and I, I felt comfortable, but there were times where, you know, um, having a little bit of travel experience did come in necessary there. Um, and then also being female, um, solo travel there, um, you definitely need to be comfortable with solo travel and confident in that. Um, I definitely would not recommend that being a first female solo travel trip, um, just because um, it is a very aggressive culture. Um, and, you know, I had people, you know, touching and pulling on my clothes uh, and things like that. And especially if I was a woman, I, that would be very uncomfortable um, and, you know, maybe even a little terrifying experience, especially if you're not used to that. Um, or not necessarily used to it, but if you don't know what to expect going into it and that just happens, um, it, it would be pretty terrifying. So um, just keep that in mind. Um, this is definitely you know a trip that um, you should have a little bit of travel experience under your belt, especially if you're going solo. If you're going with a group um, or with a friend who has experience, definitely you know this is a great trip to go on. I'm not saying it's not. Um, for the most part, they're very friendly. Um, Egyptians are very friendly and, um, you know, for the most part, very helpful, very nice. Um, but, you know, some of these people are just trying to make a dollar and they'll do what they need to do. And sometimes that can come across as aggressive. Um, and so just be careful uh, and keep that in mind um, before you book this trip or start to plan it. Um, so with that being said, that's really all I've got for you for Egypt. Um, an amazing place. I definitely, once again, here's another place I want to go back to just because there's so much stuff I did not get to see on this one week trip. So hopefully I can get another one week trip out of it uh, and see the rest of these sites. Um, but it's a great place for history, culture. Um, there's just so much to see everywhere you turn uh, is something new uh, and exciting. So once again, do not forget um, if you need some visuals for this uh, for this podcast, hit up my Instagram at Educate Your Travel. Uh, check out the Saved Egypt story um, for you know my stories, my Instagram stories for this trip. I have basically my it entire itinerary posted up there. Uh, feel free to leave some comments here or there. I'd love to hear from you. If there's something I should add to my itinerary or take off, let me know why. Uh, and then once again, you know it's up to you to make your life interesting. So get up, get out, explore the world, and take that next adventure. Thank you once again for joining me today, and I can't wait to catch up with you next time.